Welcome to episode 132 of the Big Rhetorical Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Woods. On this episode of the podcast, I interviewed Dr. Stephen Accardi. At least when I was an undergrad, there was that discussion of, well, what are you going to major in? And if anybody ever brought up, like, I'm going to major in English, usually the response was like, what are you going to do with that? Teach, you know, like there was, or, you know, learn how to make a latte, you know? like. (laughs) So that always bothered me, you know? I just always thought like that, that's, that's too bad. But, but at the same time, like here I was like in this moment of like, I can create this thing. I want to make sure it does something, but I wanted it to, to, to answer, to address that question of like, yeah, here is what you could do with that. You know, you'll hear more from Steven in a bit, but first I want to remind you about an upcoming event from the C's Wikipedia edition. Quote, the CCCCWI or Four C's Wikipedia Initiative Speaker Series, Anti-Racism and Racial Justice in Writing Studies, is Thursday, April 27th, from 4 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern. This month, Dr. Christopher Castillo will present on Burning Our Fingers, an Intersectional Grapple with the Steel Cage of Racism. This talk uses the story of a racist encounter and its aftermath to draw attention to the racialized emotions that circulate in professional academic spaces, including writing programs, graduate programs, and departments. And that must be addressed as part of anti-racist efforts. Highlighting both the harm done by what the speaker refers to as, quote, racist fuck-ups, End quote, and the habits of dialogue and self-reflection that make accountability possible in harm's aftermath. The speaker suggests that consistent attention to the emotional valence of racism and anti-racist work will better equip writing studies to confront its investments in institutional white supremacy. After the talk, participants will be trained on how to edit Wikipedia. There will be opportunities to improve and create Wikipedia articles related to pivotal pivotal scholars and scholarship on anti-racism and racial justice in writing studies." Registration is required and limited to 25 participants. Dr. Stephen Accardi, pronouns he, him, is Professor of English and Chair of Writing Studies at College of DuPage. He helped design and create the Professional Writing Certificate, which won the Diana Hacker Taika Outstanding Program in English Awards for two-year colleges, and the Writing Studies Program, which recently won the Four C's Writing Program Certificate of Excellence. Professor Accardi's research interests are in rhetorical theory, composition theory, and writing program administration, and his scholarship can be found in WPA, Composition Studies, Teaching English in the Two-Year College, and the Journal of Second Language Writing. I hope you enjoyed the interview.
who are you? What's your name and your title and your institution and your role there? Who are you and what do you do? Steve Accardi, um, professor of English at College of DuPage, also chair of the Writing Studies Program. Where is the College of DuPage? College of DuPage is probably about 20 some miles west of Chicago, uh, western suburbs of Chicago. It's about um, 20,000 first year, second year students. Um, so pretty big two-year college. I think it might be the biggest two-year college in Illinois, actually. Yeah, that's um, pretty big. Pretty big campus, yeah. Are you from Chicago? I am. Uh, I actually grew up down the street from COD, which is the reason why I am back at COD. The rare academic who has landed a job just down the road from his home. How cool is that? Very true. Very true. Uh, as a kid, rode my bike to COD, um, went to the library, remember logging into my Yahoo account, which as an old millennial, sadly, I still have. Um, yeah, uh, there used to be uh, like a, the way that the college was set up, it had a kind of a bigger hill area, but now that's been plowed and I think there's soccer fields there, but I used to run up that hill for my cross country training when I was in the high school cross country team. So I have a little bit of history with COD, um, but maybe we'll get into that later on in the interview, but yeah. Um, that's cool. So did, are, are your folks or your family still close to you there then? Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. So they still live in the same spot, uh, same house. Uh, cool. My room has been frozen in 1998 for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, that's really cool and very interesting and exciting to be near your folks uh, and your family. I think for all, all academics, some, most, I think, I don't know, I may be talking way out of turn here, but I think a lot of folks do sometimes want to be home. Um, so you mentioned you have like an, you're from there, I guess. So you have an existing relationship with, with COD that you mentioned. Did you take classes there, uh, as, as a, as a young gra uh, undergraduate student? I, I did, uh, just for one summer. So I was, uh, I went to Loyola, uh, University of Chicago, um, before they were the basketball darlings, I guess, um, but I was there and for my junior year spring semester, I was fortunate to study at Loyola's Rome campus. And so I went there for a semester and it was great. Um, but at the same time, like my apartment lease was up uh, when I left. Um, so when I came back at the end of spring, I really had nowhere to stay. So I had to kind of move back home before the semester started up again, senior year. And so I was there at home, which again was right by COD. And so I thought, oh, what if I took a couple of classes here in the summer while I'm here um, so that I can kind of free up my schedule a little bit for my last year, uh, senior year at Loyola. So I did that. And I think I did it all on like a Wednesday. So like one class in the morning, one class in the afternoon, and then one class at night. Um, and they were, two of them were writing classes. I think it was a poetry class and a fiction class. And the night class was like some kind of psychology class, I think. Um, but yeah, just like, crammed my day on Wednesdays and, and took that. And, and then, yeah, I then went into senior year with a little bit less to do and a little bit more relaxing semester. That's cool. I, I looked over your CV, uh, Loyola, Chicago, like you said, basketball powerhouse with sister mm -hmm. Jean, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then DePaul, right, okay. where you focused on writing and theory and pedagogy. So you have like your educational foundation set in Chicago, right, uh, in the Chicagoland area. And so then you make a big move, a big step, I would say, a leap um, <laughs> to pursue the PhD in English at Arizona State University. Uh, now you graduated in May 2011, so I won't uh, pick your brain or quiz you about your dissertation project. But perhaps since a lot of the listeners to the podcast are you know, graduate students or people learning about the field uh, and perhaps uh, hoping to figure out you know their position in the field in relation to it, could you talk a little bit about why you chose to go get the PhD and why you chose to get it at Arizona State University? Oh, I have a probably a, a well, I don't know. I have kind of a non-academic answer there, but I love um, that. I love that. <laughs> so uh my last semester at Loyola, um I went to like the the student uh like movie theater and uh saw this saw this girl at the movie theater. Um and it was kind of like watching her probably more than the movie. Um anyway, long story short, um kind of like really liked her. And um, she, uh, about a year later, graduated from Loyola and got into the PhD program at the University of Arizona in anthropology. And so I was still at DePaul then, and I had like a year left. And so I was finishing up at DePaul and had all these networks and contacts for writing jobs in the city. Um, all kind of set up and then decided I should leave and go to Arizona. So then I was in Arizona um, for her and with her. Uh, and that was the, the right move. And then she was pursuing her PhD program and I had nothing in Arizona. And so I started um, volunteering at this, uh, I think it was called, uh, what was it called? It's like some type of literacy volunteers, Tucson, I think something like that. Um, and so did that for a little while, and then I think found a job ad on Craigslist at the time to be a content editor of a children's publisher. And so I got that and started doing that for a while, and I really liked it. But I was right there at the University of Arizona and was just kind of around that and just missed that. And just the more I talked with her about her program, the more kind of questions I had about writing and so forth. And so I thought maybe I should try this. I mean, I've always liked writing and I always kind of seen saw myself going into writing, but maybe more like professionally. Um, so I applied uh, to just Arizona, Arizona State, a couple other programs. And so I got into ASU the same week that the publisher offered me a full-time job as a content editor and had to make that next big choice. So I thought, well, I don't think these, you know, full ride PhD programs with TA ships come around very often. I think I got to jump on that. Um, just like I took the leap to jump into, you know, this relationship in Arizona. Uh, and it's been great ever since. And we're married and have kids and life is great. That's so awesome. One of the things I love hearing when I talk to folks is 
how their non-academics, goal, non-academic goals, values, endeavors, whatever, um, kind of shape, right, and push them towards the field, whether that's graduate students coming from literature backgrounds, uh, people coming from maybe professional writing backgrounds, which I think is kind of where we come from. It's always so fascinating because when we think about all this, like, that's what the field is, right? It's these people that have been pushed here for certain reasons, uh, whether that's, you know, uh, following love to Arizona or taking a leap to, you know, across the country uh, for another program. That's super cool. And I, uh, I don't know. I think the right word is like, uh, yeah, go ahead. Jump in here. Uh, no, I'm struggling was, today. It's okay. No, I, I, you know, it's kind of funny because um, I, I don't know if I've ever shared that story before because uh, I think once I got to graduate school and then you meet your cohort and then people are asking like, oh, why did you come to Arizona State? And everyone's like, well, I'm here, you know, to work with Dr. Crowley. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Everybody. (laughs) Because, you know, you just got to start like saying, it's not like, uh, yeah, because this, this woman is, is awesome. And I just want to go wherever she goes, you know? So like, I wasn't going to give that answer, but you know, yeah, there's other stuff. The word is resonates. The word is resonates. It resonates with me because my wife at the time, well, wait, no, she's my wife now. She was not my wife at the time, right? We were dating. (laughs) She's the one, she's the one who brought the GRE book in. It was like, hey, you want to think about, you know, going to graduate school? And it's very much the same thing. It's like, I'm willing to follow her wherever she's going. (laughs) Uh, Even if that means going to a PhD program (laughs) to do it. Uh, That's awesome. So you're back at the College of DuPage. Um, Let's kind of hone in on that part of the conversation. I wrote down this follow-up question, so I just want to know it. So you... um, did a couple classes there, you know, padding that uh, resume or whatever uh, for college. Um, and then you go back and you're teaching and you run the writing program. And we're going to talk about the awesome work that you do there. Do you teach with any of your old professors? Because I think that's kind of interesting to me as someone who adjuncted uh, or who went back to where they did undergrad to adjunct and worked with some of my old uh, professors as colleagues? I don't think so. I mean, I don't, gosh, I don't even remember who was, you know, that it was just that one. That's summer, fair. You know, yeah. Fair enough. So I, have no, I have no idea. Um, and yeah, I mean, after, after Arizona state, I mean, I went to, to Penn state Hazleton for, for four years. And so was, was there and th- kind of thought that's, that's where I was going to be. And, um, was you know tenure track and just did my fourth year review and it was great and I think um all I need to do is come out with like publish one more article and I and I was already like going through the data for that article so everything was kind of fine um but it was another one of those um life things and this one was like different because um so my wife and I had just had our first kid and um we were having our second and it was this moment where it was it was kind of funny but then it kind of was like we started looking at each other because it was like all right well you know once it's time you know to go to the hospital to deliver uh like who's gonna watch like our first kid and it was like we gotta move you know uh (laughs) so that was like really this moment of like and, and I'm sure 
you know, other academics and, you know, people living in different places, you know, you, you move for the job, but, but you don't know anybody in that place. And a lot right. of our, you know, institutions are in kind of rural out there settings where there's not a lot of um, people and so forth. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just like a moment. It was like, yeah. So I, I did like a quick search of like places where we had friends and family and, 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 that's how I kind of ended up at COD. It was one of those moments where you're you're making another massive life decision. Um, but this was the first one, unlike the jumping to Arizona, where like this was no longer about me. You know, it was about like this is for my kids, and this is um, you know a chance for them to be with their grandparents and to be with their cousins and um, to like not have that network. Um, you know, just, it just, it just, it just seemed like the right thing to do. So that's, that's how I kind of ended up back here was just, was that, was that moment. Thinking beyond yourself. That's, uh, admirable. Um, yeah, I are- got the adult badge, I think right at that moment, they like handed it to me. I was like, thanks so much. It was like my first adulting experience. That's, uh, that's honestly uh, some listeners know this. I've talked very briefly about it on the podcast, but um, my wife is currently pregnant with our first child. And so this idea of like moving home and like being near our grandparents, because we're like a thousand miles away from any of our family, right? That That's something that's kind of going through our head and that we're thinking about. And so to hear from somebody that's done it, I think, hey, maybe I'm supposed to have this conversation today uh, because I've been resistant to it. But also B, you did it and you did it successfully, right? You moved from, Ari- from Chicago to Arizona to Pennsylvania and then found your way back to Chicago to be near your family and still do what you love, which is teaching writing. And that I think is really cool. Let's talk about teaching writing. Okay. What courses, uh, what types of, what courses or what types of courses do you teach at, at College of DuPage? So I teach almost all of the writing studies courses and uh, just, just like uh, everybody in the department teaching first year writing. So comp one, comp two, uh, but then I teach a lot of the courses in the professional writing certificate. So every semester I'm usually teaching a workplace writing class. Um, I teach writing in the professions. Um, my favorite course to teach would be advanced composition because that tends to be the students who are the most interested, most motivated, uh, have the best type of questions. Um, and I always learn something from them. So that's that's the best class. Uh, I, at least the one that I enjoyed the most is in the spring. So I have a lot of students yeah. from like composition two that take it in the fall will then follow me into uh, advanced composition in the spring. So it's just always like a good group of students, really thoughtful, good conversations. Um, so that that's a really good one to teach. What kind of assignments do you all do in an advanced comp? Well, I, I split the class into like the first half of the class is a lot of rhetorical theory, uh, which is, you know, and like impossible to do like 2000 years of rhetorical theory. And uh, is, is it, is <laughs> it, ask my grad students. I mean, <laughs> so it's like, here's Gorgias, here's Aristotle. Uh, can we quickly jump over to like Latour and, you know, Butler and, and, you know, just like flying through it. And so then, then from there we, we pivot over to comp theory 
And we use the, the threshold concepts book, uh, Naming What We Know, which is great. And so uh, we're kind of right in the middle of that right now. It's, it's been so fun to see students make those connections from, oh, yeah, this sounds kind of like, um, you know, B-Sucker. This sounds like the rhetorical situation according to VATS. And, you know, this seems like it's this question of agency is coming up again. And so they're seeing the rhetorical theory in the composition theory, uh, which is which is great, you know, partly by design, but um the fact that they're kind of bringing it up themselves has been really fun. So we do a lot of uh, like response papers in the comp in the rhetorical theory. And then because of the way the threshold book is set up, we do a lot of synthesis papers, but with each one of those, I'm trying to push them into this more, I'll say uncomfortable place for them because maybe up to this point, um, a lot of their writing is somewhat formulaic or, they've been doing the research paper for so long. And so a lot of the assignments I have them do is asking them to participate in the scholarly conversation. So they're doing the synthesis of here's what, you know, everybody's saying, and then looking to step in like that Burkean parlor, you know, carve out that space for them to then step into and then contribute to that conversation. And at first, you know, they gave me that look like, a, what do I have to say? And like, you know, like a Wayne and Garth, like, am I worthy to say this? And I'm like, absolutely, you know, jump in and say it. And then from there, getting that practice of, you know, carving out that space and then stepping into it, that usually cues some type of seminar project that they then take for the last, you know, third of the semester as their own and what they want to investigate and what they want to wrestle with. And um, I encourage them to take those projects and to turn them into manuscripts for young scholars and writing. Um, and some of them do. And a couple of years ago, uh, one of my students did publish in there, which was great to see. So kind of stuck with it and got that revise and resubmit and stuck with it. And I think she even had uh, graduated from COD at that point, but still was like working with it. So to like go through that process with her has been great. And so, um, yeah, it's just a really deep investment in those types of theories and conversations. And then they don't even realize how much writing they're doing in that class, because I think they are just so invested in the conversations and contributing to them that it's like, hey, guess what? You become better writers as well. You know, check, you know, on one of the learning outcomes for that class too. I think... What I want to start first with is a discussion of how you set up the course, right? The rhetorical theory and then the, I guess, composition theory. Is that a, a good way to put it? So if I always think it's fascinating to ha hear how people think about the field, how scholars think about the field and the relationship between rhetorical theory and composition theory. Um, I tend to generalize it and just be like, oh, it's all the same. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> and I know that, right? Uh, but depending on, you know, um, the program that you go through, right? Like, is it a specialization program where it's rhetoric and composition courses, or is it more like an English studies program where you are required to take the, you know, one-off literature or linguistics course? It's kind of, kind of, um, uh, that, th th those, that this course is going to shape the way you kind of see, right, the field. And so I wonder, how does that for you come into how you build this class or design it? Or are you just guided by simple learning outcomes and I'm way overthinking it? 
No, not at all. I think that's really smart. I, I do come from, um, you know, Arizona state where I think there is a pretty heavy emphasis on rhetorical theory and having Sharon Crowley for those first couple of years before she retired. I mean, she made some pretty strong statements about like, there is rhetoric and composition, but not rhetoric and composition, but like, there's some, you know, here's the rhetoric and then here's the composition. So I, I, I have that and kind of, you know, grew up on that, I guess. Um, but also just knowing the history of composition and how the field started and became, and, you know, those early composition teachers were looking for something to like ground themselves in to have, to kind of legitimize themselves as a field, but also to use more constructively in the classroom. And so that's where the rhetorical theory comes in. And it's been awesome to see in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years, how that has you know, kind of turned into and transformed into composition theory uh, to the point where some programs are, you know, standalone composition theory or composition studies, you know, type programs that, you know, you can see and trace the rhetorical theory baked into there, um, but there isn't maybe much emphasis on the rhetorical side of things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I, I have that kind of in, in my background, but also back when I was teaching at Penn State, I was teaching a rhetorical traditions class. It was like 400 level class. And so I had some of that. I mean, th that whole class was on rhetorical theory. And so I had that experience teaching those things and I found it valuable to how I was teaching composition at Penn State as well. And so having the chance of kind of putting those things in conversation with each other, I, I think was useful for students. And so when I was designing the advanced comp class at COD, I, I thought it would be useful to put those things in conversation as well. You designed that course, but you did much more than that since your arrival at the College of DuPage. Uh, you have created the writing studies program. You have created a professional writing certificate, which was uh, awarded an, a national recognition from Taika. You've created writing for nonprofits learning community, which I noticed on your CV that you teach a class called writing for nonprofits, which maybe we can circle back to because that sounds awesome. And you created writing in the community, writing in the professions, argumentative writing. Uh, you co-created advanced. I'm going through all this because it's incredible. You co-created advanced composition and professional editing. You co-revised workplace writing, technical writing, digital writing, and the composition sequence. This is curriculum design work, right? This is this is what we're here, uh, what we're here really to talk about. I think specifically uh, the award-winning program uh, with the professional writing certificate and the writing studies program. Earlier in the talk, you mentioned the writing studies courses, uh, just like that was a phrase you used, and it made me think: Is he talking about composition sequences, or is he talking about? writing studies courses, like, uh, I don't know, uh, visual rhetoric, right? Or something like that. You're talking about your composition sequence, right? So tell, let's get into this a little bit. We might get the nitty gritty, but let's start general first. Uh, you have a writing studies program. What is the writing studies program at the College of DuPage and how did it come to be as it is in its current iteration? So big so question, we, big question. I know. So take as much time as you need. I, I had no idea this podcast was going to be two hours. Wow. Uh, we'll have to, let me see. So, so writing studies at COD is first year writing 
rhetoric and composition and professional writing. And now that's kind of all packaged as the writing studies program. Um, one of the, uh, I'll say <laughs> advice or feedback, I don't know how quite to use it, but maybe your, some of your graduate student listeners um, would appreciate this. You know, when you, you get the job offers and you're excited about the job offers and then you tell people about the job offers and they're like, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> and that was some of the advice I got when I was looking to go to COD because uh, they had first year writing just like everywhere has first year writing. Uh, but that was about it. And so kind of knowing where I was coming from and my background it was like, are you, are you sure you want to be like doing that forever? Um, but the other way of looking at it is, um, or, or create thing you want to create, you know? So I, I, I got there that first year and found there was this old, uh, what was it called? Technical communication certificate. I think it was called. And just the year before they had deactivated that certificate because it had been so poorly enrolled. And then like that first meeting of that committee was now let's officially vote to like permanently get it off the books and eliminate it. And, you know, as the new person, just like at any institution, you don't want to like start, you know, shaking things up, but it was more just like a question, like, are you sure? Like, are you sure we should just like kill this thing? Like, is there a way we can revise it or like modify it or something. And I got the look of like, you're the new guy. Um, but also like some like half smiles of like, well, if you want to do that, you go right ahead and do that, you know, <laughs> like implied that will be a lot of work and and we're not going to do that. Uh, so I said, okay. And so I started looking into it and there was um, a writing for the web class, uh, a technical writing class. And I think it was writing for the workplace. And I don't, it, it maybe was the courses were at least 10 years out of date or so. And just, you know, the terms and learning outcomes were just really out of date. So that was like my starting point. Um, and then I, I, I had a really supportive uh, associate dean that was just like, you know, if, if you had to create something, what would that look like? Um, and he also brought me in because while I was at Penn State Hazleton, they had just started a professional writing minor. And so I was hired at Penn State Hazleton as the rec comp guy, because there was no other rec comp people on campus uh, to like run that. And I, you know, fresh out of graduate school, you know, it was like run what? Like, I don't, I've never, what do you, you know? Um, but that was like the expectation. And so I was like quickly learning how that all worked. So I had some experience of that. Um, but never like create the curriculum. So I just, just tried to spend some time figuring out um, like what I could do. And in, in my greatest visions of if I were ever to create something, what would this look like kind of visions? And then just, just started there. Um, one of the more practical things that I did was I, I looked at the like top 10 transfer schools that COD students were transferring to. Uh -huh. Took a look at their programs and tried to see um, what do they have, and if I've made some courses here, would they transfer to those programs? And that helped kind of give me some ideas and kind of start shaping things into something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, here's here's maybe I don't know if this is where your question was going, but um, maybe it's just relatable to a lot of folks in English. 
what when at least when I was an undergrad, uh, there was that discussion of, well, what are you going to major in? And if anybody ever brought up, like, I'm going to major in English, uh, usually the response was like, what are you going to do with that? Teach, you know, like there was, or, you know, learn how to make a latte, you know? Like, <laughs> so um, that always bothered me. You know, I just always thought like that, that's, that's too bad. Um but but at the same time, like here I was, like in this moment of like I can create this thing. Um, I want to make sure it does something, uh, so that you know folks don't see that and think it's like, what am I going to do with that? But I wanted it to 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 answer to address that question of like, yeah, here is what you could do with that, you know. Um, so it was the, the the easy thing was you know we could transfer to some university, but I wanted it to be to be more than that, and so the certificate kind of grew with that in mind. Um, I want students to have real life hands-on experiences. I want them um, having opportunities for internships and uh, networking with other professional writers. Um, and so kind of built the program with, with that always in the back of my mind of making it meaningful and impactful and students can do something with it. Um, so that they give it a shot. I love that. Meaningful, uh, impactful, and maybe practical. Um, I think those are some of the similar um, values I was thinking about with this podcast back uh, mm-hmm. when I started it. Um, so again, some more things you're talking about resonating. I actually want to hone in though on uh, the transfer design agreement design part of this curriculum, which I think is really fascinating. So just so um, I understand what you were saying. So you did some work, did some online research figure, and, and some use some inter- institutional you know data to figure out where COD students were transferring to, what universities they were transferring to, right? And then you partnered with those universities to kind of design the curriculum at COD so that they would easily transfer. Is that correct? If so, and what universities are you working with? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could sit here and say uh, I'm really smart and I came up with this great idea, but it also just kind of happened uh, naturally and somewhat accidentally. So I was, I was reaching out to a friend at, at Elmhurst University just to get a sense of, um, you know, their program because Elmhurst and College of DuPage are probably like 15 minutes or I don't know, 10 minutes away from each other, like pretty close. And so they had uh, an English major with like three tracks and one of them was a writing track. And so I was trying to get to understand their classes. Um, but the more I was like getting to understand their classes and thinking about, well, if if I made this class here, it would kind of be like your class here. So would you like take that as like a transfer? And then it was like, well, should we make this more formal? Like, should this be like a two plus two transfer agreement where like my students go directly into your program? And it just kind of evolved into that. Um and then uh, same kind of thing uh, a year or so later with DePaul University, uh, and they have this, you know, I, I think the only uh, specialized rhetoric and writing program, you know, detached from the English program um, in the Chicagoland area. And so they have a really rich history of that program and all sorts of great people work there, teach there and, and graduate from there. And so same kind of thing, you know, uh, trying to connect these programs up. And so... Um, you know, we eventually 
published on this in, in WPA journal, just about how I started to see writing programs as multi-institutional uh, that like students start somewhere and then they go somewhere else. And so the fact that it's at my campus or at your campus seemed kind of irrelevant. And, and that also <laughs> uh, it yeah. was really just like following my students. Like that's how yeah. they see it anyway. And so they see themselves as DePaul students who are doing this part over at COD and then I see myself as an Elmhurst University student, but I'll do this part of it at COD because, and so just to see it that way, I was like, yeah, this is what it is. And so these, this opportunity to uh, position the two-year college as a writing program that extends past and beyond institutions um, just suddenly started to appear before us. And you published uh, on this topic, like you said, in Writing Program Administration, NWPA Writing Program Administration. That came out in 2022, uh, Assembling Multi-Institutional Writing Programs, Reimagining the English Major While Expanding Writing Studies. Um, wow, this is brilliant stuff, right? What's the reception been uh, to not only the design uh, maybe among your colleagues or at your institution, but to the piece that was published in WPA? Uh, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't received a lot of fan mail yet, um, but I, it's I coming. You just ha- post podcast episode. Your mailbox is going to be full. <laughs> no, it's, 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 you know, it's, I, I have a funny little story about that. Um, maybe before, before it came out, um, you know, just like a lot of us before we end up publishing on things, it ends up being kind of a, an idea that ends up being like a conference profo- proposal. Then you present it at a conference um, so I was at, uh, a conference in Austin and presenting on this and just kind of just early kind of setting it up. And I think it was the DePaul side of things. Uh, and Rich Rice from Texas Tech came up to me afterwards and said, Hey, I think you really have something here. Um, I'm really interested in this. Can you send this to me? Like when you're done. And this was like, I think maybe 2019, um, and he wrote like that little note on his, you know, card, uh, like his university, Texas tech card, just like, Hey, send this to me, Rich Rice. And so I stuck that little card, like next to my laptop through the pandemic as like, I, I gotta, I gotta work on this. Like, like Rich is looking for this. Like he's, he's dependent. Uh, he's, he asked, you know, I gotta, you know, but like during that pandemic of everything was flipped upside down and backwards and it was rough you know just like this real slash imaginary audience that said like no steve you got to get this thing done you know um i kept it there as 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 a motivator and and when i found out that it was being published uh he was the first person i emailed and like 30 seconds later he wrote back like oh thanks so much do you have an early copy i was like yeah so then i sent it to him And he got it. So I, I know I know one person read it and, and I and I hope he enjoyed it. I want to circle back before we wind down and mention that the professional writing certificate that you were describing earlier actually won a Taika National Award. And so I wanted to give some space to acknowledge that, say congratulations. Um 
And tell tell us a little bit about the award that you won from Taika uh, and what that means going forward. Yeah, I mean it's it's similar to the to the C's um, certificate of excellence. Uh, it's kind of focused more on the two year college and specifically on programs. And so the the certificate was um, I think what made it unique as well is it, it didn't just have in mind here's this credential, um, but it was again, connected to so many different communities. And so we partner with the Society for Technical Communication, Chicago's chapter, uh, as a way to have our students uh, have scholarship opportunities, publishing opportunities, networking opportunities. Um, and then you have the other students that do the, you know, two plus two programs and kind of connect that way. Um, and then we have our lecture series, which we have all sorts of professional writers come in each semester and talk about the writing that they do. Um, but also that lecture series isn't just professional writers. It'll be professionals who write. Um, so you're talking like um, we had a, a, a lecture on science writing and one on technology and another one on healthcare and nonprofits. And so here are these folks in this world who are really interested in this particular field and have that particular career. And then they realize I write so much and I need to write this way. Uh, boy, we really need good writers. And so to have those folks come in and talk to students and they can imagine their future um, and the importance of them, again, I think um, responds to that idea of like, man, what can I do with this English major? And the answer now is like, I don't know, anything you want. And have you been following tech? Because tech needs you and will pay you a lot of money if you can write well and make the complex clear. And so all of that is like wrapped up in the certificate. And I would say half of our students are those kind of traditionally students who are learning about and are interested in writing, but the other half are professionals already writing and wanting to sharpen their skills or make a career change. And so they come and take the certificate. So the classes are fantastic because you have these new fresh idea students with these older returning students that have all this experience and they just have excellent conversations with each other and results. And um, so anyway, that's all kind of packaged in that professional writing certificate. Uh, that's, that's a big part of the writing studies program. Stephen, you take a leap to follow your wife in Arizona. You take a leap to get closer to family in Chicago. Take a leap. Stand up and say hey to me at computer at, at four C's. Uh, and now we've got this cool, cool relationship going. Uh, what are you doing this afternoon? You know, uh, gosh, it is actually sunny here, which I haven't seen that in a while. Um, so I probably will spend the time uh, walking my dog here before the kids come home. Then uh, tomorrow is my birthday. So I think we're going to do something then. Um, but but we'll see. That is uh, that is being planned by the, the crew. So I will find out what that's going to be like tomorrow. Well, hopefully the party planning committee comes up with something fun to do. Uh, Stephen, it's been a pleasure to chat with you and thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me.
hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Stephen Accardi. It was it was really great to meet someone who listens to the podcast in person. I mean, it happens from time to time, but I'm glad Stephen reached out and said hello. Also, I'm looking forward to finding more two-year college scholars to interview on the podcast going forward. So reach out. It seems like a place where I could definitely do more work and I'm excited to do it. I'll be back next week with another new episode of the Big Rhetorical Podcast. Until then, always be listening rhetorically. The Big Rhetorical Podcast is produced by Exalt Digital Media. Exalt Digital Media, not for profit. The Big Rhetorical Podcast was recorded on the land of many native nations, past and present. These original homelands are territories of indigenous peoples who are largely dispossessed and removed. We specifically acknowledge the traditional stewardship of this land by the Wichita, Kikapoo, and Tawakoni peoples. Music for the Big Rhetorical Podcast is brought to you by DJ Lang, Stepha Helix, and Essex.